This is a Prince song. <laughs> Prince, y'all, Prince. Um, okay, well. Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, leader of America's favorite bluegrass, yacht rock, and private press cover band, the Scruggs, Skaggs, and Shags Review. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Nailed it. Coming to a city near you. I'm speechless. That's fantastic. That's a yeah, eclectic show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm co-host Jeremy. Do you guys remember the 9-11 conspiracy film Loose Change? I remember the title. Yeah, it's like a, about the secrets of what actually happened in 9-11. And I'm working on I hear on that it. Bush did it. Well, yeah, Bush did it for sure. Yeah. But I'm working on an addendum because there's... Recent information that's come to light. Oh, okay. <laughs> Twenty-two years on. <laughs> yeah. You guys, are you guys really buying that it's a coincidence that Boz Skaggs' Dig album came out on September 11, two thousand one? Hmm. Hmm. Connect I, the dots. Hmm? I, I I think I dig what you're saying. <laughs> and he just happened to be performing during the New York blackout. Sure, Boz. Yeah. We're on to you, bud. I don't know if this is a great way to start an episode where we <laughs> praise Boz Skaggs. I'm, I'm a little scared, uh, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's how we get our first uh, lawyer letter. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, until that happens, I am co-host Peter Cook. And off mic, little peek behind the curtain, off mic at the end of last season, co-host Jeremy told me that he doesn't think I would handle living a life of crime very well. <laughs> and therefore, I'm excited. Too soft for the streets. That seems to be what he was telling me. Soft hands over there. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I had to think about it for a minute and then accepted that he was probably correct. Um, but therefore, I'm excited that this episode allows me to utter the phrase, give me the goods. Ooh. And joining us today is a DJ and historian based in Philadelphia on I'd Buy That for a Dollar for a second time. Welcome back, Dave McCullough. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. And, uh, you know, it's a perfect time, actually. You asked me questions before, and I'm just going to toss this at you. I'm I'm adding a new thing. I'm going to start selling um, pole vault equipment door-to-door. Oh, Awkward. Door to door. Interesting. You think there's a wide market for this? <laughs> yeah. You know, it would well, see, I think they sell themselves. You walk down the street with the big pole vault because, you know, you have to have the one of the sticks like, you know, fully extended so people see what they're buying. Yeah. That sells itself. Totally. You get up there. People can see you from miles around. This plan can't fail. No. Yeah. And if, <laughs> if they don't buy, then they're going to watch you pole vault to the next door and wish they had. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why walk when you can pole vault? Can we? Well, thankfully, we're recording this. This is just going to be my ad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, good to have you back on the program. And what album by Boz Skaggs? I think we already gave it away. We're talking about Boz Skaggs today. But what album by him did you bring us? Well, I brought one that is actually relatively new to me, too. Down to Then Left, which blows my mind as a title simply because that's like that's we're talking nintendo era um cheat code stuff you know down down left right start whatever anyway <laughs> down to the left I, it, I wasn't familiar with it found it in a dollar bin and loved it love it yeah yeah this is a good one that a lot of people might not be familiar with and we'll talk more about where it falls in his discography as we go came out on columbia in 1977 but before we go any further, what song did you want to feature first for our listeners? So we're starting off with, is, is Give Me the Goods what we're starting off with? It is. Give Me the Goods. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to actually say it. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> yes. such a great title. Yeah, that's Side B, track three. such a great groove i mean this album falls right after silk degrees right yep and that's like you know peak boss gags low down lido shuffle huge hits great band and the band became 
total. Am I am I giving away too many goods already? <laughs> just <laughs> dropping it all right at the beginning. <laughs> well, but it, you know, kind of gives some context of just like how why it's it's just like a, a a group of people very much in their pocket. You know, they they got their sound, they toured together, and it just sounds great. Just a really yeah. dope groove on top of the world. Yeah, and I'm glad you picked this record because especially for people who weren't around in the mid seventies, when these records were dropping, most people nowadays kind of start and end with silk degrees when it comes to Boz Skaggs. But he was so much more than just that one record, even though it is an all time classic, but worth digging into the full catalog. Yeah. No, I was hundred percent guilty of that myself. Same. Yeah. Silk degrees was his seventh solo album and this is his eighth. <laughs> so there's a lot of Boz out there. I might be the only one, but listening to that, I was envisioning some really bizarre James Bond film, <laughs> like maybe produced by Donald Fagan or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was that like guitar with the echo. Yeah, it does have a little bit of the excess of like James Bond intro pop songs for sure. And just like kind of oversings things in a little way. And I could see it. It makes sense to me. Yeah, and there's that fuzzy guitar with the heavy echo that kind of doing mm-hmm. that run in there. The yeah. the lead guitar, the solo was played by a young Steve Lukather, his first appearance on record before joining and forming Toto. <laughs> wow. Yeah, on this song. That's amazing. That was that was written by Boz Skaggs along with the arranger and conductor of the horns and strings on this record, Michael Omardian. He also plays keyboards on it. He co-wrote about half the songs on this with Boz Skaggs. And yeah, it's a pretty solid record front to back. It peaked at number 11 on the Billboard 200 album charts too. So it, even though there's not a huge hit off this, he was still selling, I think, on the strength of Silk Degrees. Yeah, it seems like to fall in this really fascinating niche of albums that are the follow-ups to huge hits Mm -hmm. and and they really do suffer by comparison even though like the album that came to mind is um hard promises by tom petty and the heartbreakers and how in a lot of ways it's probably just as good as damn the torpedoes but damn the torpedoes was just such a it was just such a monster monster record that even though hard promises is fantastic in every way in some ways, it almost it pales a little bit in comparison, or it doesn't quite have that that huge impact. I think that I mean albums like is Tusk isn't Tusk with what Fleetwood Mac did after Rumors? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I and, feel like that's a whole genre we do of albums that were overshadowed by the like monster album before it, the predecessor. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a consistent theme throughout the whole show for sure. We're kind of fascinated by that. Like, what do you do? When you have maybe unexpected, massive success and everyone loves the record you do, how do you follow that up? And most of the time, these artists are following up with records that are objectively really good. They just hard to compete when you have something in your catalog that has achieved some sort of icon status. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're they're tailor-made to end up in dollar bins, right? Like you got silk yes. degrees, you played it all the time, you absolutely love it, you play Lido Shuffle and... You know, you know the hits, play them at parties, and then you get this record, and it's good. There's just no big hit on it. You find you don't play it. 
but because Silk Degrees was so popular, millions of people did this, right? Or hundreds of thousands of people did this. Yeah. yeah. And hundreds of thousands of people were like, oh, I'm good on this one. I can take this back. I could trade yeah. it in. <laughs> Everyone so. bought this because they had just bought Silk Degrees and he was just the hottest thing around. And then they just kept putting on Silk Degrees instead of down two, then left. And eventually mm-hmm. they got rid of it. It's the sad, lonely Boz record. I know. It's so crazy, these sad platinum albums. Yeah. <laughs> it went platinum, but it's still like, oh. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah. Silk Degrees, meanwhile, was like five times platinum, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dave, how did you discover the music of Boz Gags or this album? I, you're just, how, what do you want to say about your background with this artist or this album? Boz Gags was like a, a household staple. My parents were big into, I mean, at the time, I don't think anybody would have called it Yacht Rock, but like looking back, that's pretty much what it was. But Steely Dan, Doobie Brothers, and Boz Gags. I mean, but then also artists like Peebo Bryson, like really kind of sophisticated, jazzy R&B and rock. And so Boz Gags was just a staple. And actually, I found Down to Then Left a few years ago, like pre-pandemic, right before the pandemic. I was with uh, our friends with Vinyl Tap 215, shout out. And uh, I was doing a Steely Dan or like a Yacht Rock set. And I was trying to find stuff that was cool, but that was a little off the beaten path. Just some stuff that was kind of fun that maybe people hadn't heard. So I was going to record stores, digging in dollar bins. And I was like, oh, I don't know this Boss Gags. And so I grabbed it. And yeah, just... I found I keep listening to it and listening to it and listening to it. It's it's an incredible record, but one that I completely missed on. Yeah, I found a copy for cheap just the other day, just in time for us to do this, just out there digging in the bins. Mm-hmm. A three records for $10 deal at an antique mall near where I work. And I was like, I, I think this is the record that the Boz record we're, we're going to talk about. This was Boz was the big winner. He was the number one artist that our listeners wanted to hear us talk about when we did the poll at the season break between seasons four and five. We, you, This is who you want to hear us talk about, and we're not giving you the silk degrees. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've probably heard it if you want us to talk about Boz Skaggs. Yeah, do you think our fans would have been disappointed if we had gone with the obvious pick of silk degrees? Some would. That's We just disappoint somebody no matter what we do now it's uh it's part of being top of the game you know yeah you're you're always gonna have haters true yeah well you know you gotta mix it up sometimes it's fun i I really love talking hearing people talk about records i know and love it's fun like but then also i love discovering new stuff or or getting a, a different angle on an artist so yeah i'm I'm glad we did it this way hopefully you came to the right place dave (laughs) yeah this is perfect this is perfect and hopefully everybody who's like out there like you know we don't talk enough just in general about Lido Shuffle I just like saying Lido Shuffle and you know they'll they'll go and say you know I didn't hear more about Lido Shuffle but darn it I heard give me the goods (laughs) yeah I've got a good life which is give me the goods is a pretty hard number most of this album is a little more little more laid back than than that number <laughs> and in fact it's probably a good time to get to a another cut you had chosen next dave it looks like we were going to listen to we're waiting 
Yes. Yes. It reminds me very much of a Steely Dan track. So I say, let's listen. And then I'm curious to see if you all kind of agree with with the, the song I always connect it with when I hear it. All right. Yeah, let's listen. We're waiting. Side A, track five. You know, that did, it sounded a little like pretzel logic here, Steely Dan. Is there a reason for that? Oh, that's interesting. So I, it always makes me think of Asia. Like the actual song Asia, the title track to, to the album by Steely Dan. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That makes more sense, but I don't know Steely Dan, so. It's like a little, little atmospheric, but still very funky. Yeah. And, and Jeremy, were you just throwing out uh, words that you knew associated with Steely Dan? No, Toto <laughs> plays on both of them, fools. <laughs> yes, yes. I know that much. I don't know what pretzel logic sounds like because I have taste, but. <laughs> I don't want to take us down to, oh, but, but pretzel logic, it, it's got a real bluesy early jazz kind of feel to it. This weird waiting in, in the arrangement, it's like really broad and it has lots of movements in it and stuff and and as i was listening to this i i don't know if this is the thing we want to do as we're celebrating an album but can we what, what do you all think about boskag's voice what are we doing here i think i think the first time i listened to it it was like a no for me 
like early on in record collecting. I, f- I have like a vague memory of being like, all right, Boz Skaggs, what's this about? Nope, can't get behind this singing. But I don't know. I think I have gravitated towards unique singers the more I've gotten into music. The people that throw me off the first time I hear them often end up becoming some of my favorites, like across multiple genres. And uh, Boz is one of those guys for me. I just love it now. Like it's his his choices could be cheesy to some people, or maybe some people think he's just over singing and don't like it, but it works for me. Yeah, I like it too. And having worked in retail for a number of years of my adult life, Lido, Shuffle, and God, what's the other one? Lowdown. Lowdown. Yeah. Those two are highlights. Those were rare songs that they played that I actually enjoyed. (laughs) Yeah. In that context, Balls is good in my mind. I'm not a big Balls guy, though. Namely, I mean, there's... There's parallels there between Steely Dan and Boz to some degree, and especially in the singing to me. I hear some similarities that put me off a little bit because I'm a Steely Dan hater. <laughs> and sometimes just a hater in general, but... Valid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Steely Dan is one of the great, great things that uh, humankind has created. So uh, On that we can agree, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, but but Donald Fagan's voice is a, it's a it's you know lead singer and one half of Steely Dan. Um, yeah, he's a he's an acquired taste too, I think. But something about this album in particular, I was really kind of I, I have an interesting relationship with Boz on this album. Like I love the music, and I I dig what Boz is doing, but it's so unique. And sometimes I'm like, what what is happening? Like, did everybody just sit around and go, yeah, this is this is the thing. And <laughs> it, because I'm not sure that he sounds like this on all of his records. I, I don't know. You're you're reminding me of an interview I saw with Cypress Hill, where they said when they were first in the studio, listening back to the tracks they were recording and they heard how their voices, those nasally <laughs> voices that they have rapping on the track. And they're like what are we doing here? Is anyone going to like this? <laughs> like they definitely, they questioned what makes them stand out. Sometimes you just got to take those big swings, see what happens. See if anybody connects with what you're doing. Yeah. You know, his success speaks for itself. So he certainly took the big swing. I mean, heck we're sitting here talking about this record because I like it so much. So, yeah. but, but every once in a while when I'm listening to it, I'm like, Whoa, Boz went for it. <laughs> I mean, he is kind of the Cypress Hill of Yacht Rock. We can agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, would we like to learn a little bit about where Boz came from? Yeah. Well, yeah. Be- believe it or not, his birth name is not Boz. <laughs> <laughs> he was born William Royce Skaggs on June 8th. 1944 in Canton, Ohio. However, he was raised in Oklahoma and Texas. While attending prep school at the age of 12 in Dallas, he met guitarist Steve Miller. A classmate also gave Skaggs his nickname that he would professionally bear for the rest of his life. It was first Bosley, then Boswell, and then Bosworth, and then, of course, eventually just Bos. Honestly, that is... 
a little less batshit than William Royce kicks. <laughs> Balls seems kind of normal by comparison in my mind. I think uh, his classmate did him right. Yeah. In 1959, Boz joined Steve Miller's group, The Marksmen, as vocalist. Then after graduating in 1962, the pair attended the University of Wisconsin at Madison, and they played in a blues band called the Ardells, and then also one called the Fabulous Night Trains. But by 1963, Boz Skaggs left school to focus on music, and he formed a band called The Wigs and relocated to London. The group had a little success on the live circuit, but they dissolved by the mid-1960s. Two of its members would actually return to the U.S. and soon join the Bay Area blues rock band Mother Earth, but Boz Skaggs stayed in Europe, and he started traveling around and busking. What was his reason for going to Europe? Do you know? No, I don't know. Mm, okay. I, I tried to find like what, what, what drew him there, and I could not find exactly... I, and I wonder about that kind of thing. Yeah, I had seen one reference of someone saying he wanted to be a part of the burgeoning like R&B revival scene of the UK, kind of like the, the mod scene, maybe. That but, would make sense. Yeah, could be. In 1965, he recorded his debut solo album, simply titled Boz. He recorded that in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, it was released in 1966 to little recognition, but now... It's a $200 plus record on Discogs. He was a friend with a guy named Peter Kalkinen in Stockholm, who was the brother of Jorma Kalkinen of the Jefferson Airplane. And Boz started to hear about the burgeoning psychedelic scene in San Francisco. And he then received an invitation from former bandmate Steve Miller to join Miller's newly formed band based in San Francisco. So Boz appears on the first two Steve Miller band albums. That's Children of the Future and Sailor, both of those released in 1968. He contributed one of his own songs to each of those albums. So is he singing or playing instruments on those, or what was his role? He was guitar and vocals. I don't, and I think he's a lead vocalist on the songs he wrote, but I'm not positive. I, I was really kind of startled by just how I, I had no idea he was in Steve Miller's band. That was wild. I think that's a surprise to a lot of people. I had known that for a few years, but it was a fun factoid that I like to throw out at people. Like, do you know what band Boz Skaggs was in before he went solo? Because most people <laughs> didn't know. Adding this to our collection of fun music trivia you can drop at parties to impress your friends. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I just want to say... I'm a Badger, so shout out to to Steve Miller and, and Boz Gags for going to UW-Madison. Shout out. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, I was trying to remember, I thought that you had some uh, Wisconsin roots. Oh, yeah. went to. That's where my wife and I both went to, to grad school. Yeah, shout out. Shout out, Bucky. Maybe, maybe that's what how, how Boz got his sound. He was just, you know, kind of busking with Bucky um, <laughs> by the lake. I like that universe. I want to be in that one. <laughs> so Boz was in the Steve Miller band for less than a year. They released those two albums really quickly. Uh, he then embarked on a solo career. And it was actually, this guy has been in the news recently. Uh, the guy that helped him start his solo career proper. And that's Jan Wenner. Do you guys know who that is? 
He's the co-founder of Rolling Stone magazine, and he was just recently oh, removed. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Canceled. Yeah, he was removed from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame board for racist and sexist comments. Yeah. Oof. Um, yeah. I don't know what the problem is. I just think only white men can be good at music. Yeah. He was so oblivious to what he was saying and the criticisms that were being yeah. thrown at him. So we'll move right past him quickly in this story. But I just, when, as soon as I saw his name, I was like, wow. A month ago, I wouldn't have known who that was. So yeah, Boz started his solo career. First album came out on Atlantic. It featured the Muscle Shoals rhythm section as well as guitarist Dwayne Allman. Boz also at that time played on the second Mother Earth album with his former Wigs bandmates right around that same time. Then 1971, he signed with Columbia and proceeded to release four albums that had moderate success. But then 1976, Silk Degrees, Lowdown and Lido Shuffle just hit. And as that's around that same time, the song on that album, We're All Alone, was a big hit for Rita Coolidge. So, yeah, as we mentioned, it went five times platinum. The accompanying musicians like Jeff Procaro and David Hungate would go on to form Toto. So a lot came out of Silk Degrees. <laughs> we got a lot out of it. And we, we didn't talk about Silk Degrees. We didn't choose it. Maybe we failed the fans. <laughs> but we got, we got, they got a lot. They get two for one, basically. We're, we're given a lot of Silk Degrees here. Yeah, you can you can find that easily. It's still a cheap album, but let's talk about this album, Down to Then Left, and let's just move on by playing another selection. The next one that you had talked about featuring Dave was What You Gonna Tell Your Man. Love this. This was co-written with, by Skaggs and the session player Jai Winding, who plays acoustic piano on it. Side A, track four. Why'd you come here? 
just something about his voice on this record is there's this Muppety quality. Like, like, <laughs> like he was like, I'm going to get that Kermit sound. Yeah, I could see that. I could see this whole album being like having a, a Jim Henson music video with all Muppets yes. singing and playing. <laughs> but then it sounds so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the, the guy from Canned Heat kind of had the Kermit the Frog voice, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Boz Skaggs actually plays the guitar solo on that number. Wow. No kidding. It's so, a nice solo. Yeah, he can shred, too. Do you see who handles the majority of the guitar work on here? Anyone? No. Ray Parker Jr.? Oh, yep. I did see that. Well, I didn't know it was the whole, I thought it was just a track or two, but holy cow. It seems it's a good number of it, along with a guy named Jay Grayson, who's a major session guitarist. Actually, this same year, yeah. he played the guitar solo on Peg on Asia by Steely Dan. Oh. Then on bass, we have a guy named Scott Edwards. Is that name familiar to anyone? No. He had started as Stevie Wonder's bassist in 1970 to replace Michael Henderson, who had left for Miles Davis. Mm. And Scott Edwards turned to session work around 1973. So expert bassist. Other familiar session musician names on here, Victor Feldman, Ernie Watts, Chuck Finley, Bobby Hall, and Vanetta Fields, to name just a few. I believe we said that Ernie Watts is our most featured session player, so adding another record to his credits. Yeah, I made sure to wow. mention that, that he was on here. <laughs> yeah. Go Ernie. It's produced by a guy named Joe Wissert. Sean, is that name familiar to you? No. He produced the first five Earth, Wind & Fire albums. Oh. No kidding. Pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> pretty yeah. good resume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had produced some Gordon Lightfoot albums before this as well. He had actually produced Silk Degrees for Boz the previous year as well. The follow-up album to this one was called Middleman, and that arrived in 1980. It yielded a couple hits, JoJo and Breakdown Dead Ahead. Actually, there was a time where I was really strongly considering doing that album. I like those hits, but then I listened mm. to the rest of the album, and he chose tries to go more like early eighties rock. And it just does not work in my opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeremy, you might've liked that even less. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like <laughs> <laughs> he kind of retired for a while after that record. Right. After Middle yeah, he, he took a long break from making music. He felt that it was just work at that point, and the thrill of making music had left him. He didn't release another album until 1988, and that was when it finally felt right. He had made a few failed attempts that were just wasn't working for him. So it was eight years between Middleman and the follow-up to that. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard him say that he initially planned to take a few weeks, maybe a few months off to just take a break from nonstop work, and then it just kind of turned into eight years. You know, that happens sometimes. Hap yeah, yeah, it does. Sometimes you skip the 80s, which is not yeah. necessarily a bad move for a lot of our 70s guys. <laughs> you could do worse. You can tell how sleepy he looks on the, the cover of Middleman, too. He's got his eyes closed. He's laying down. Needs a break. The man's yeah, tired. And the album's called Middleman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think in the early 90s, he joined 
a project called the New York Rock and Soul Review, headed up by Donald Fagan of Steely Dan and featuring other artists like Michael McDonald and Phoebe Snow. It seems that it was a live performance project doing a lot of throwback stuff and some Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he released, Boz released nine more albums in the past 30 years, most recently in 2018. He still, he still tours. I see there's dates for overseas listed in 2024. I think he just wrapped up a U.S. tour not long before we recorded this episode. So he's he's still out there doing it, holding strong. Wow. You might still be able to go see him live if he comes to a town near you. I'm sure his band is going to be fantastic. I mean, that dude, all the session players he had, he knows who plays and who can play. And, yeah. you know. If Boz calls, you're going to go. Yeah, exactly. Go play with Boz. I'm sure the music would be fantastic. I'm sure he still gives you the goods. Yeah. Well, Sean, do you want to give uh-huh. us the goods? Well, what kind of goods are you talking about? What do you need from me? <laughs> well, did you happen to have made a list of recommended albums? <laughs> oh, wow. those goods. <laughs> Wow. Now that we've yeah, acknowledged that it's silly we set this up, Jeremy's really Just going ripping into it this app. <laughs> Speaking of acknowledging things, I think we gotta put this out there. We've talked about Bob Skaggs now. He was the number one uh voted for artist in our poll. So I think officially we can say that the season five soft rock takeover has begun. Oh no. I think you're right. Yeah, we threatened this in our season four wrap-up episode, and uh, it's happening. Wow. Nothing but soft rock from here on out the rest of the season. Enjoy. 70s, 70s soft rock. 70s soft rock. <laughs> have, have you guys hit uh, Christopher Cross yet? Oh, it's coming, baby. It's got to yeah, happen. Yeah, I was about to say, that's the Rubicon. When you hit that, you know, you're, you're yeah. You can just yeah, ride like the wind. Sailing the seas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but until then... Here's some uh, some 70s soft rock recommendations for the people. It's what the people want. First up, another guy with a very unique voice and even more so on this record. And I hated it the first couple times I've, I heard it, but now I love it. And I'm sure we'll talk about this record eventually. Leo Sayer, Thunder in My Heart from 1977. Yeah, that's a guy whose name I've known a long time and I couldn't name a song by him I, I probably know a song or two yeah i see his stuff in the bins but yeah yeah it's nothing i've ever checked out even dollar bin staple he's got other good stuff but yeah check out thunder in my heart it's it's very in line with this it's very funky but it's got some rock to it and a little bit all over the place and it's great so there's two records on this list that we've talked about before and i'm wondering if Jeremy or Peter, can you guys guess what either of those might be? Doobie Brothers. Minute by minute. No, but that would work. Uh-oh. No. <laughs> um, let's see. Boy, what else have we talked about? I'm like drawing a blank. Uh, suddenly I'm drawing a blank on 200 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Who else have we discussed that's along these lines? There's... Jeremy had a good guess. I got to give it to Jeremy. That was a good guess. That was a good Thank guess. It, it would qualify. Yeah. But the ones I selected. What about Norman Connors? You are my starship. That that could work. A little more straight jazz than 
you guys trying to pick here, but the selections that I chose are Gino Vanelli, Brother to Brother from 78. Oh, good sure. call. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then the other one being Kenny Loggins, Celebrate Me Home from 77. Ah, that's valid. I do have a fourth pick, this one. I don't think we've I've ever recommended before. This is more of a recent acquisition for me, but I really like it and want to talk about it at some point. The group is called LeBlanc and Carr. The album is called Midnight Lady from 1977. They were kind of a minor one-hit wonder duo, two uh, session guys that got together, tried to make it work, and it didn't quite hit. But the record is special, and I highly recommend it. I'll add a much more current artist that you, I believe, introduced me to, Sean, not too long ago. And I don't have a specific album in mind, but if you like Boz Skaggs, but you don't want to seem like, you know, stuck in the past, like we are here and I'd buy that for a dollar, check <laughs> out Drug Dealer. I was wondering if that's what you were going to recommend. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> some stuff. heavy Boz Skaggs vibes going on there. I've never heard of Drug Dealer. I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah. Uh, the newer record, Hiding in Plain Sight. From 2022, excellent place to start with that group. Wow. Right on. Did you have any other recommendations in mind, Dave? Well, if you dig this, you might want to check out an album, maybe a little lesser known, called Silk Degrees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Pretzel Logic. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, talk, we talked about a lot of it. I mean, it very much both in my life and in just sonically to me it, it sits so close to steely dan so anything in the steely dan catalog but i think especially like royal scam asia and even even gaucho i think all of those could could fit but i'm, I'm excited to to check some of these selections that sean made good looking like it i haven't heard that leo sayer i mean i too have dug past it a million times but i've never played it so one big distinction between this record down to then left and silk degrees is that David Page of Toto to soon to form Toto was on silk degrees and he's not on this record. And I kind of wondered if it's because he's in the process of assembling Toto <laughs> oh, <laughs> like that's, that's happening almost simultaneous to this album coming out. Could be. So how do you guys feel about hyping uh, the favorite artist of fictional character, Walter White from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Did, was that a plot element of Breaking Bad that that Walter White was a big Boz Skaggs fan? Yeah, and for some reason that like always stood out to me. It's like a little throwaway scene. There's like a scene at the house where he's talking with his family and trying to act cool in front of his kid and be like, you don't, you don't listen to Boz Skaggs. He's like one of the best from my generation. And it's like... <laughs> This scene that's obviously supposed to paint him as just being like horribly out of touch and uncool. <laughs> That'll do it. Yep. That'll do it. Well, you know, they'll have to find a new reference uh, now because now that we've <laughs> yeah. talked about Boz Skaggs, he's fully in vogue. I'm going to have to go back and edit that episode. William Certified. Royce is back, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> William Royce. Oh, fuck with Bosworth. He sounds like he's got a new novel coming out. Yeah. Well, Dave, yeah, thank you so much uh, for pointing us in the direction of this Boz Skaggs album. I, I think it's perfect because, yeah, we liked the overlooked follow-up 
to the big records here on I'd Buy That for a dollar. Pretty soon we're going to have to talk about Fairweather Johnson by Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you might be the only person talking about that. I don't even think Hootie, I don't even think Darius Rucker talks about that. <laughs> they don't acknowledge that it ever happened. I have proof because I bought that CD when it came out. <laughs> I bet it sold a lot initially. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And then was like one of those in the used CD <laughs> bins for the rest of the 90s. Yep. Well, Dave, it's, what song did you want to leave on today? Yeah, we're closing out with She Walked Away. Just a really pretty ballad. Just beautiful musicianship and, and um, you know, Boss Skaggs in his bag, as it were. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that uh, we included Then She Walked Away because it's really that Boz hitting that mellow groove that uh, I think a lot of people associate him with. Cool. Well, I hope everyone enjoys Boz more than me. I'm co-host Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way to try to get the final word on, <laughs> on him. I honestly hope people enjoy it more than me. Yeah. I wish I could. Oh my gosh, I'm going to so use that with my kids. <laughs> like, oh, that cartoon. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope you enjoyed it more than I did. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's right. Love that well, for you. Well, I enjoyed this album at least as much as Silk Degrees, which is the only buzz I knew prior to this. And uh, def- and I liked it a lot more than Middleman, I will say, but there are some great cuts on Middleman, and that is a cheap record. So if you see it and you like Boz a little bit, you can, you'll can at least get three or four good songs out of it. That said, I am co-host Peter Cook with I'd Buy That for a Dollar. Thank you. And I'm Sean Hartman. And I'm Dave McCullough. Thanks again. Thanks again. Glad to have you back, Dave. Oh, my pleasure. Two-timers club. Boom. <laughs>